so Matthew 25, we're going to continue on our series on uh, fruitfulness and multiplication. In Genesis 1, the Bible teaches us there that God's command to Adam and Eve was to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth, to take dominion of the earth. And because of the fall, we were, we were kicked out of the garden. And that ability to, to be fruitful, to multiply, um, really was hindered because of sin. And Jesus has come. And because of now the sacrifice of Jesus and relationship with Jesus, we have an opportunity to pick up that charge again and do as the Lord has commanded us to be fruitful and multiply. As a matter of fact, it's what Jesus commanded in John 15. He said, I want you to bear fruit in the earth. But the command now is different for us in the new than it is in the old. Because the command now in the new is not that it's, it's the command isn't really to bear fruit. The command is really to abide with him. And as we abide with Jesus, we will be fruitful people. Has anybody seen that happen in your life? The, the less you stop trying to be fruitful and the more time you spent in the presence of Jesus, the more fruitful and productive your life became. Because you cannot afford to not spend time with Jesus. You need the presence of Jesus. And so I want to talk to you about this. I want to go back to Matthew 25. We, we talked a little bit early in this series about these three different uh, servants who were given this incredible opportunity to, to receive this stewardship opportunity from their master. And he gives one five, he gives another two, and he gives one one. And the Bible says there that he gives it to them according to their ability. And I, I want to say this to you today, that most of the time what God gives a, us is according to our ability. And that's why you should never spend any of your time comparing yourself to somebody else because God doesn't compare you to them. He looks at you as an individual. He sees your heart. He sees your capacity. And he gives to you according to your ability. You don't want what someone else has because you don't have the ability to carry what they carry. And uh, so I want to encourage you in that, first of all. But he gives them uh, three different levels of of stewardship. He gives one five, one two, and one one. He comes back, and the Bible says that the one who had five, he has now ten, that the one who had two, he now has four, and the person that he gave one to, he he has won. He has gone and buried what he gave him. He misunderstood the the demands of the king, of the master, and he said, Man, I I, I knew you to be a hard man. I, 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 so I buried it because I was afraid of what would happen if, I, if you came back and I didn't have it. And, and, and I think we have to go back to the original when he says he gave them according to their ability. I love this because God is not asking you to do something that you don't have the ability to do. And so there's no reason for you to be afraid of what God has asked you to do because he's not asked you to do anything that he does not give you the ability to do. Come on, every command he gives comes with the power to obey and observe the command. So he, he, he's, he's frustrated with this servant. To the other two, he says to them something very interesting. He says, because you have been faithful with little, I will now give you more. I'll now give you more. And he takes from the one who wasn't faithful with the little and he gives it to the others. Now, this is, this is interesting because... <laughs> The frustration that the master has is, is laid out in this one statement that he makes in, in Matthew 25. He says, in Matthew 25, 27, he says, 
the least you should have done with it is put it in the bank so that when I returned, you would have at least been able to give it back to me with interest. And as I, as I just pondered that, I sat there. Have you ever read the Bible and just a verse, you just sit in it for a little bit and you're just like, I want to understand this because this seems so carnal to me. This doesn't seem very spiritual. You put it in the bank. It just doesn't seem like such a, so much spiritual advice here. And, and I, I found out that so much of what God does is very practical. It's not on some weird supernatural level all the time. What he does is he very often starts with something very practical, and then he puts his supernatural on something practical, and it becomes something we never could have dreamed or imagined. And so I'm looking at this, and, and I'm thinking about the mindset of not just the, the steward who was, who was afraid, but the other two. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how there's no part of this story where the master is giving out the different talents and the stewards... And the servants start fighting among themselves about how much each one of them got. And here's my issue. I, I don't even know if we make it to the investment part because I think we spend most of our time comparing how much we got from the master. I don't even think we make it to whether or not we invest it or get it to the bank because I think a lot of us spend most of our time saying, why would you just give me one when you gave him five? Oh, man, that's... That's too real for us. And I was thinking about my own life, and I'm like, how many times have I looked at what God has given me, and I've acted like it wasn't enough, not because it wasn't enough, but because it didn't look like what he gave somebody else. And I have to realize that he gives to me according to my ability. So it is a waste of my time to look at the guy with five and wonder why I only have two. Or it's a waste of my time... To look at the guy with two and wonder, why God did you overwhelm me with five? <laughs> oh, I've been there. I've been there. God, why did you have to give me this many people and this many services? Like, I was good. <laughs> when we had three kids, I was like, we good, God. And God was like, you're not done. <laughs> Slip one past the goalie. All right. Along came Ollie. It's so weird every time we tell people we got children. What are their ages? 22, 21, 18, and 11. And they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, same, same. Feel that. <laughs> but so many people miss fruitfulness and multiplication because everything God sends them is too small or not enough. And if God sends you something that is too small for you, then leading on the next level is too big for you. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things about these men that maybe we can notice about ourselves. <laughs> these men are not investors. They are servants. They're not professional investors. These, they don't work on Wall Street. They work in the fields. And he has given them a Wall Street responsibility and all they have is a field knowledge but when you serve God your service will always put you in a position to be used by God on a level you are not qualified for and some people are like why isn't God using me it's because God doesn't 
Make anyone a steward who does not first serve. Luke 16 and 12 says, If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And one of the reasons that it's almost impossible for you to have vision for your life is because you have never served anyone else's vision. Oh, man. I love this. Watch this. The master gives it to them and does not tell them what to do with it. Why? Because servants just follow commands. Stewards have to use their minds. He's upgraded them and they didn't even realize it. He's saying you are you are not just in the same way he said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. I just upgraded. I just upgraded your status with me. I just brought you up to another level that requires a different level and way of thinking. I know you're not Wall Street men, but I need you to think on a Wall Street level. I need you to think like an investor, even though the only experience you have is in the field. That's why Solomon, when he, he was told by God, pray and ask for what you want, Solomon said, give me wisdom to lead these people. He didn't ask for more stuff because he knew I'm unable to handle what I currently have. I'm not doing a good job with what I currently know. So I need wisdom to lead this great people. And I think what God is asking us to do is, is not... is is to stop settling on the level of what we know and to come up to a level that, that is a declaration of what he knows about us. There are some things in you that you don't know about yourself until you, until you free yourself from your past and you stop limiting yourself based on your previous way of thinking and living. You'll never be able to rise up to it because you can't think like a man in the field. Now you have to think like a man with an office. <laughs> oh, man. I was told years ago, they said, and, and they said, dress. I was going in for an interview, and they said, you need to dress like the job you want to have. And, and I think so often we, y'all are like, what are you dressing for now? Uh, I'm dressing for the job I want to have, sitting on a couch, okay? <laughs> I already got the job, now I dress however I want. Now, I'm the boss, get over it. Um, <laughs> but I, I was always, you have, to, you have to start thinking of yourself on the level you want to be before you ever get to that level. And, and this is what God is trying to do with these servants. He's trying to call them up to a higher level of thinking. Man, this is important for us. Fruitfulness requires not only commandments, but wisdom. And here's, here's, here's what I found out about leading on a, on a level that is above your own natural ability. You have to learn how to do when God doesn't tell you what to do. <laughs> so it's like, here's a bunch of stuff. Here's five for you, two for you, one for you. And he leaves. He doesn't leave them with a commandment because he's expecting them to grow in wisdom. 
And very often when you feel like you don't have a commandment for your life, what you need to ask God for is wisdom for your life. You were rewarded for being faithful, but now you have to be fruitful. Now watch this. Even the one who the master knew he would squander the opportunity, he still gave him an opportunity. I came to tell every person in this room, God will give you an opportunity. But will you give yourself to the opportunity? He said, put it into the bank. <laughs> you should have just put it into the bank. Why did he say that? It's the same reason that we sow a seed into the ground because the ground does not have our limitations. And sometimes we are not reaping in life because we are sowing our seed into something that has our limitations. You don't put gold in the ground and get more gold. He's saying you should have put it in the bank. And for some of us, the reason we are not fruitful is because we keep putting our seed in the wrong place. That's why, that's why we have to pay very close attention to what the Bible says I should do with my life, my talent, my money, my resources. Because there's a very specific place that God says you should put those things. And if we put those things somewhere else, it's the same thing as burying it in the ground. It will not change. It will not evolve. It will not grow. It will not multiply. It will not bear fruit in a ground that it was not meant for. Gold doesn't double in the ground, in the dirt. It doubles in the bank. It's so practical. So when I look at the Bible, when I look at my... When I look at the Bible, when I look at my money, I should ask the question, where does God say I should put my money? All right. Let me give you some Bible. Malachi 3 and 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the... And somebody's like, oh, this is going to turn into a money sermon. I knew it at some point. I knew it. The, the shine was going to wear off of Calvary. And here he comes with the money. We're deep into the building. And look, it's unfinished. He needs money for the building. He's preaching a money message. I'm not preaching a money message because we need money. I'm talking about this today because you need this. Because for some of you, you are frustrated in your finances because you keep putting your gold in the ground. And Malachi says, bring your tithe into the house of God. Bring it into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I love it because he says, bring the whole tithe. What's the tithe? Tithe is a tenth of my increase. Whatever, however God increases me, I give to God's house a tenth of that. Very practical. Very easy. Very simple. It's not complicated. Where do I bring it? Into the storehouse. How much do I bring? The whole tithe. I don't, I don't give a little bit here and a little bit to charity. If I'm going to give to charities, then I give to charity not from the 10% that belongs in the storehouse. Come on, somebody. I give to the Red Cross, but my, the money I give to the Red Cross does not come out of my tithe. Because the tithe doesn't benefit me unless I put it in the right place. And some of you are all like, I'm being generous and I'm not seeing any of the... Because I'm not being generous in the right place. <laughs> I'm not putting it in the right place. 
Where do I plant my life? Psalm 92 says that the righteous man will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Where? Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in an old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. Wow. I have never met a person who says to me, you know what, Robbie? I have no time in my life. And I'm like, why? Because I spend too much time at church. Okay. Really? We have an hour-long service. And a first Wednesday. I remember when I was growing up, it was two-hour church on Sunday morning, three-hour church on Sunday night, because we got a little wild, and then another two hours on every single Wednesday. My life is not suffering because I'm spending too much time in God's house. My life is suffering because I'm spending too much time away from God's house. I want to tell you, I know it's 2023 and we live in the digital age. And I know that even now people are watching online. And I want to encourage those that are watching online and can be in the house. Watching online is not the same as being in the house if you can be in the house. It's not the same. It's a supplement, but it's not the same. And, 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 and we don't live off of supplements. I don't, you know, I don't give my kids the Flintstone vitamin and say, that's your meal for today. <laughs> Does it help? It absolutely helps. And I'm thankful for online. Mainly I'm thankful for online because of people who cannot be in the room who get an opportunity to see what God is doing. But for the people who can and just are like, man, just chilling on their couch this morning because they're like, it's Super Bowl Sunday. You know, it's raining outside. I just didn't feel like going to church today. Let's pop it online and listen to it in the background. That is not helping you. It's not helping you. I got to get in to the house of the Lord. And the Bible says that if I'm planted in God's house, I will flourish and I will flourish at an old age. One thing I love about this church is even though I'm a young person, I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there, but I still feel like a young person. What I love about this church is the amount of people who are older in their age, who are still flourishing, flourishing and thriving and excited about the house of God. People who, people who, Every time I see my grandma come in here with her walker and she sits down in a service, I think of all the 20-somethings who are sitting at home right now sipping their lattes, watching me online, and I'm thinking they ain't got the same kind of faith. That, 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 that's different. I love you, but what she has, that's different. That's flourishing. Oh, man, I'm a little rough this morning. Sorry, I'll, bring, I'll just bring it back a notch And listen, I am not telling people they need to get off the couch and come to church because we need more people in the room. I do not want to preach four times a week. <laughs> I'm pressing it to, to be here for three. You should just come to three and just like 
just check me out in third. Like, just, <laughs> just experience that. It's, it's fun. <laughs> so, so watch this. So God has something to say about where I am planting my life, where I'm putting my money, where I am, where I am, I am uh, giving of my resources and my talent. He's something to say about all of that. Let me talk to you a little bit about environment for a minute because, because it's not just enough. Remember, we talked about this. A seed needs three things. Every seed needs three things to, to begin the process of germination, to, to, to realize its potential. It needs air, it needs water, and it needs the right temperature. There, there are certain things that can grow in Alaska that can't grow here. There are certain things that can grow in Florida that cannot grow in Alaska. You know what I mean? So every seed needs a, the right environment. Every seed needs the right temperature. And so you can have the seed. You can water the seed. You can, get, you can, you can pray. We talked about how prayer is our air as a believer. You can pray and you can, you can still feel like nothing is happening because the seed also needs the right temperature. It needs the right environment. So that's what we're talking about. You don't take gold and put it in the dirt. You take a seed and put it in the dirt because that's the right environment. You take the seed and you put it in the dirt because the dirt doesn't have the same limitations as the seed. And, and the reason we do this is because I have to make sure that the place I am planting is bigger than me. Some people are like, I don't like a big church. That's because there are a lot of people who would rather be a big fish in a small pond. They'd rather be the smartest person in every room. If you're always the biggest fish and you're always the smartest person, you need a bigger pond and a new room. <laughs> the dorsal fins of killer whales collapse in captivity because their growth is affected by the limitation of their surroundings. You have to make sure that the place you plant the seed is big enough to handle what is in the seed. I'm not going to plant, when we finish this, I'm not going to plant a cedar tree out up by this church because the cedar tree, the roots will go so deep, they will rip the foundation of this church apart. You, you have to make sure it's in the right place. And this is important because the seed is fed by the soil. You can't feed me if you have my limitations. Oh, man. Can I just say, a lot of people like to go to the places they go. And even though they sit and listen, the reason they like to sit and listen is because they feel smarter than the person they're listening to. And they don't like to be in an environment where they feel like they're being taught something. Listen, you cannot feed me if you have my limitations. I'm not talking about physically. I'm not saying every person over 5'11 should leave Calvary Church because I'm shorter than you and I cannot feed you because I'm not physically. I'm talking about spiritually. I was just recently, I went to, a friend invited me to come down. I had never been to a passion conference. So I went to Atlanta. I go to passion conference. A friend has me and we're, we're in a room and everybody's talking and they, this lady comes up, she's in, she's in a wheelchair, and the whole right side of her face 
has, has um, it's paralyzed. She's able to speak, but her speech is very slurred. She has to be, she has to be taken around in a wheelchair. She can walk a little bit, but she has limitations. She's, she's had a severe stroke. She barely survived the stroke. But, but God, what I found out, though, is this lady is one of the speakers at the conference. And I have the opportunity, because my friend brought me into this space, I have the opportunity to sit with this lady. And she starts to speak. And I realized as soon as she opened her mouth that it was time for me to shut up. I realized I was with someone who, even though she had physical limitations I didn't have, she was a giant to me in the spirit. And I realized it's time for you to stop talking and listen. Read the room, Robbie. (laughs) So she had had a stroke. Her speech was slurred and she had to use a wheelchair, but she was a giant in the faith and I sat because I knew it was an opportunity for me to receive and I just listened and I think in 10 minutes I learned things that I never could have learned in my own Bible study my own preparation from my own preaching I learned in that moment that no matter no matter how old you are how big your church has gotten how much influence you have there is always someone who can teach you and if you don't remain a student, you will, you will abort the seed that God has planted in your life because you have put it in the wrong place. Made me think of this in John chapter 6. We talked about the story of Jesus feeding thousands of, a couple of weeks ago in John chapter 6. One of the things I missed, and as I was reading back through these stories. John chapter 6, Jesus says something very interesting before he, he feeds the people. He says to the disciples, he says, uh, in John 6, this is where he feeds 5,000. He, he says to one of his disciples, he looks and he goes, um, he goes, where could we go to get some food around here? And the disciple looks at Jesus and he's like, um, even if we had 200 denarii, we, we couldn't, that's not even enough to get even a small piece of bread for every person here. 5,000 was just 5,000 men. So there's at least, with children and women, there's at least 15 to 20,000 people there. And another disciple looks at Jesus and he goes, Hey, we, we've got this boy's lunch. It's five pieces of bread and two fish. But what is this compared to the need we have? And I love what Jesus says because this is the answer to when this is the answer for when you face a problem where you don't have enough to meet the need. Jesus says, tell the people to sit down. Think about this. Tell the people. We don't have enough. What do we do? Tell everybody to sit down. And when the disciple was asked by Jesus, where can we find food for all these people? The Bible says that the only reason he asked this question was to just mess with him because he knew what he was going to do. 
anytime, listen to me, anytime God asks you to do something, it's an opportunity for you to watch him do something. And I think too often we live in a, in a kingdom of God that says it is finished, but we live in a world that says you're not done. And I think the challenge for us is when we hear something like be fruitful, I think we hear do more, work harder. But all the stuff I'm talking to you about has nothing to do with you working or earning anything. It's literally just about you resting in Jesus. It's like when I give my money into the storehouse, it's about rest. That's that because when I give it to God, I can walk away and I can say, God, I have given this to you. Now you do what you do. But if I keep it, then then it's all on me to do. If I plant my life in the house of God, then I look at God and say, I'm here. I'm here. I'm working. I'm building your house. Now you do what you do. In the same way you said to David, if you'll build my house, I'll build your house. You do what you do. See. When we, when we put our life in the right places, it's, it's literally a matter of trust. It's also, it's also a matter of am I living under law or am I living under grace? Because law says do, 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 do. Grace says done, 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 done. That's why I give because it's done. It's easy for me to give because it's just, it's, I just trust God. That's why Jesus said abide in me. No, you cannot do anything apart from me, Jesus said in John 15. I think so much of what we hear when it's like, be fruitful, multiply. It's like, get to work, man. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think when Adam and Eve were given the command, be fruitful and multiply, they looked at each other like, oh, man. Shoot. I think Adam was like, hey, girl, do you hear what he said? <laughs> There's a rest in that. Oh, man. But what was, what was fun at the beginning becomes a labor. Oh, man, if you don't, if you don't maintain... This is a work of grace. If you start to, even in your marriage, if you start, I mean, we're coming up on, on uh, Valentine's Day. Even if your marriage, when it comes to the relationship, if, if, if your intimacy is some, has something to do with, you better do this for me, and if you'll do this for me, I'll do, then marriage becomes transactional. But in the beginning, it's not transactional. Not trans- at least for the guy. I don't know what's happening. It doesn't. It's it's not transactional. It's it's not like, oh gosh, you know you know you don't get married and get to the honeymoon suite and they're like, I gotta sleep with this dude. <laughs> Twenty years later, you're looking at that dude like, and sleep with that because it's become transactional. The intimacy is gone. 
God's like, I don't want a transactional relationship with you where you're just doing stuff for me. I want you to understand that everything I ask you to do for me, it's relational. It's to deepen our connection with each other. I don't ask you to tithe because I, I need you to give to me. I'm asking you to, to tithe because I want you to connect with my resources. I'm asking you to be planted in my house, not because I need you to show up to church. I'm asking you to be planted in my house because I want you to connect to your source. I want you to stay close to the vine because it's the only way you can grow. So maybe multiplication and fruitfulness is avoiding you because you refuse to sit down. You think there are things you need in your life that you have to leave his presence to get. The disciples were like, hey, we got to send him away. Where can we go and get some food? Jesus is like, sit right here. You don't need to leave my presence to get this. Matthew 14 and 22, Jesus, the Bible says, sends his disciples over without him. He's just performed a miracle. And the Bible says that the disciples get in a boat and they start to row on the water. And a storm comes up. But Jesus, the Bible said in Matthew 14 and 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go ahead of him to the other side. He dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone in order to help you. Listen, listen to me. In order to help you, I have to take care of me. Jesus dismissed them. He went up by himself to pray. In other words, he knew they would be in a storm that he would have to help them get through. But in, in order for me to help you then, I have to help myself now. That's what prayer is. I have a responsibility. As your pastor, I have a responsibility to give you the best version of me. And sometimes that means I will have to do some things that make it feel like I am distancing myself from you. And you're probably wondering sometimes, do you even want to be with me? Because sometimes it feels like you're not in this boat. But I have to make some decisions to protect myself that you don't understand. Going deeper spiritually requires the ability to be okay with solitude. The ability to sit with you. Because nobody can do your spiritual disciplines for you. One of his disciples were like, man, it'd be nice if Jesus was in this boat right now. Like, he had to leave. Why do you have to go up to the, why do you have to? It was Jesus saying to them, sometimes what feels like me distancing myself from you is actually me taking care of myself so that I can protect you the way I need to protect you. It's important. Solitude is important because very often solitude is the place we hear from God personally the most. And you have to listen to God's voice. Why? Because there are some things that you're missing because you're not positioned for them. Because you didn't hear him. 
there's a conversation that you are not a part of because you are not there. I remember years ago, God spoke to me and he told me to go to this conference. And I'm, I'm like, God, I'm not speaking. This, it's a lot of money to fly out there. I don't know anybody there. Why would I, why would I go out to, to this thing? But it was a clear, you need to go. So I got in a plane and I went. Do you know that that's where every relationship that I have, that's where I met Jabin Chavez. Jabin introduced me to Chad Veach. Relationships that have changed my life. That have brought me into places and spaces I don't have the clout or the background to be. But I went to a place God told me to go when I was in solitude. And there are some conversations you're not a part of because you're not there. Some miracles that you are not receiving because you're not there. Hey, woman with the issue of blood, God loves you, but you can't get that unless you go to where the hem of his garment is. He was never going to walk into her house, but he was going to walk through her city. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who are labor and are weary, and I will give you rest. Listen to me. If you go to anyone else, Jesus says, you'll find more work. Look at your life. It's as if the areas you worry and obsess over are also the areas of your lack and struggle. Because when you worry, you tell the enemy where you trust God to le the least. When you worry, it's a, it's a signal to the devil, that's where you can hit me and it hurts. When you stop worrying, you allow grace to flow into the areas of your life. You stop worrying. That's why tithing is, is, is a part of the process of me not worrying about my money. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. That your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you that even when it doesn't seem like you're giving out commands, it doesn't mean you're absent. What it means is it's an invitation for me to ask for wisdom. It's an invitation for me to grow in my capacity. Remember Matthew 25, he said he gave to each according to their ability. We must stop complaining about what God gives and start focusing on our ability where does my ability come from? Well, my help doesn't come from the north, the south, east, or the west. My help comes from the Lord. So where does my ability come from? My ability comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So I don't grow in my ability by trying really hard. I grow in my ability by sitting down, abiding with Jesus, learning more about the master, watching him do what he does. And then it gives me the wisdom to know what I should do. Everything Jesus did, he did as an example to the disciples because 
they needed to learn how to do it because there was a time coming where they wouldn't have the time to learn, they would have to do. And so when Jesus would not stress, he was teaching them how to not stress when their life was under siege. When Jesus slept in the middle of the storm, he was teaching them how to sleep in the middle of storms. Everything he did, he did for an example. He's teaching us, he's showing us because there's com coming a time where this is a lesson you don't have time to learn, you must put into practice. So God, help us today. Help us to, to realize that you are inviting us to a higher level of living and leading and loving. Connection with you is the only way we can grow. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Will you stand to your feet with me today? Come on, if you're in the house today and you are thankful for the word of God and for what God is doing in your life, can we make some noise for the Lord this morning, for his presence in the place and for how he's speaking into our lives? Amen. I love you. Thank you for being here today. I hope to see you soon. And uh, man, I just don't really care about this Super Bowl. So... Uh, have fun. God bless you. I guess go team. Yeah, go team. All right. <laughs> Altar team is up front if you need prayer for anything. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you soon.